Welcome to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur show with me, Brenda Hector. I'm a business growth specialist helping business owners to develop themselves and grow their businesses so they can achieve their goals and enjoy the lifestyle they dream of. I'm also on a mission to revolutionize the entrepreneurial landscape for women in business. In every podcast episode, I interview someone who has an inspiring story or some great advice for women aiming to start or scale their businesses. If you're new to the show, take a moment to subscribe and please check out the previous ones after listening to this. We've got an awesome community on Facebook. Just search for Scale Her Up and join in. Delighted to have Andy Wright from Smart PA joining me on the Scale Her Up podcast today. Andy, thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure, Brenda. Thank you for having me on. As you're aware, you don't fit the usual box of the, the type of guests that I have on Scale Her Up. So I'm really delighted to have you on and I want to hear about what you've been doing for uh, empowering women in business. But just just to start, as I do with everyone who comes on, can you just tell us a bit about your story, Andy, and how you got into business? Oh, goodness me, yes. Um, my story is probably not as traditional um, a business story, I suppose, because I didn't go to university. I was uh, from very working class council estate and uh, from a family didn't have much money. So actually, at the age of 16, whilst I enjoyed school, I felt I needed to go out and get a job. Certainly from a smart face perspective, I've got the graced here in the organization. So yeah, we, we're going back a number of years now. So my first kind of entry into work was in the hotel industry where I was working as a kitchen porter and promoted to waiter and then very quickly got on the ladder of bar manager. So this took me to the ages of 18. And then, believe it or not, um, it was before the rave club scene, but I was very interested in music, had a real passion for music and the club scene. And myself and a friend took it upon themselves to create the first kind of pop-up club in Edinburgh, which at the age of 18, you've got no fear, everything's exciting. And it went on to become quite a, quite a famous uh, club in, in, in certainly Scotland. And it also won Independent Club of the Year for five years with NME, uh, which was the big music magazine of its day. And really that kind of set me on the road of entrepreneurialism, if you want to call it that. Yeah, so it's been it's been something that you've been you've been involved in from from very early in your career. Then at yeah, eighteen, very yeah. early, went and did further education at Napier University in between times. But then, as I developed as a human being, because you're still very very young, I was still in you know my my early twenties, mid twenties when uh, I was developing in within the music business. I then evolved and started to see other business opportunities. By this point, obviously, it was, we moved into the, the first uh, website boom and bust era, and I got heavily ensconced in that, which really gave me a taste for technology and technology businesses. So um, we had developed, by this point, a direct gifts business online, which took us to the drinks industry, which was linked to the music industry at the time. And we had a number of dot-coms that were really successful. And then 
my journey that took me really to the 90s and then my journey from there is I invested in a food tech business that was really pioneering and by that point in my life I realized that the things I wanted to develop and invest in were things that were really close to me so there's no real surprise there things I was passionate about things I really believed in I'd been a member of the Labour Party by this point for since I was a young lad of 15 so the Labour Party and my socialism background were, 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 as they are still today, very much at the forefront, which will probably make a bit of sense when we talk about our business and, and how we drive and what we do to empower women. But uh, yes, so it, it gave me a, a phenomenal platform to really focus on the things that I felt were important to me and where we could make a difference. This food technology was amazing. It had the ability to, for example, extend the freshness of produce and extend seasons. We went into Africa and we made significant supply chain differences. And we made probably some of the most significant changes uh, in terms of how food was stored and distributed worldwide, which was all sort of vetted and around improving the environment. That was, I've got to say, in the 90s and the very early 2000s, and we didn't get the backing we should have got from governments around the world, but we did make differences. I exited that business, and really from there, it was not long after that that I met Sarah, the co-founder of SmartPA, and invested in SmartPA. Great. Yeah, tell, tell us about SmartPA then, what SmartPA does and, and what you're building Yes. In terms of this business. Yeah. So I invested in SmartPA, Brenda, circa 10 years ago. I'd met with Sarah. She completely inspired me. She was a very empowered female herself and had great ambition. So Sarah was, Sarah was the founder of SmartPA? She was a co-founder. Yeah. Uh, she had a business called Cherry Lifestyle, which was really very similar concept-wise in the sense that she was looking after high-worth individuals managing both their business and personal affairs. I had had an office in Miami at the time and, and had seen a big move to outsource services, um, but also a big meltdown with the economy. I also had a number of smart brands. So when I was advising Sarah, I advised her that actually she needed to move out of the personal support because that would be the first thing to go in, in the recession and to really put a hard focus on uh, on business. And I also suggested that she could look at one of my smart brands. So that was that conversation. You actually need to go further forward another couple of years because I hired out of services for my tech business at the time. I loved what she was doing, loved how I could streamline my Operating costs at the time were something like £50,000 a month for administrative orientation. Uh, and we scaled that down to £5,000 a month, which was just what wow. was the yeah. Then we had further conversations. And of course, being an entrepreneur, I, I saw an opportunity and could see that she was flagging in directions. So I came up with the proposal of setting up Smart PA and using her brilliant skill set and her vision and how she wanted to look after people, how she was a trained trainer, 
and how we could, you know, really take and harness that, but really grow it. And I think that it was a growth strategy that she was missing. And I felt that, you know, I'd had a background in growing businesses. By this point, I'd been in numerous countries, understanding of how these countries work and just had growth in my DNA. Everything I wanted to do, I wanted to grow. And, 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 and that, that was one of the key drivers for me. So we set about, so we did that. I convinced her. So it took really two years of convincing her because she was very strong-minded and very much had a mind of her own. But yeah, it, it was quite a compelling argument, I think. And, and I think the, the, the joint thinking came together thereafter very, very quickly. Um, I was seeing the services from the inside out. So I could feed it back from a client's perspective. So I could see it both from the client's perspective and her perspective. Uh-huh was something, you know, it's a great test case to have. It's a great, a great controlled trial to have in any business. And then we went about creating the plan. How are we going to do, how are we going to take the world over? How are we going to make the difference? How are we going to make the change? As an empowered female and an empowered leader, we both had a commonality that we wanted to both empower women and help women. And we'd identified, whilst, yes, I'm a male, I feel I'm very much a feminist. I've got two daughters I've got a young son as well of four, but I've got two daughters. One's a lawyer, one's training to be a lawyer. So um, my daughters have been huge influences in my life, but we felt we wanted to make a difference. We understood there were huge challenges with women in the workplace, especially women that um, potentially hadn't had the, the, the university background training, women that had left business to have children and try and re-enter the marketplace. We could see there was lots of challenges and issues, as we still have today. So we felt we needed to do something about that. So we wanted to create a talent pool, a really broad and widened talent pool that had an amazing skill set, that had a strong and rich community based on really, really strong values. One of the commonalities Sarah and I had is we were both from working class backgrounds, both went to uh, lived in council estates and both came from similar beginnings. So I think that was interesting and certainly gave us the steely determination to make a difference. Fast forwarding on 10 years, we now have over 350 partners worldwide. We've created a community that now the business community really thrive want to be part of the same community. It's very, I suppose it would be easy to conclude that if you've got a community of 350 smart PAs, they feel together as a group, they feel part of the same community. I suppose the the challenge for us as an organization uh, was how could we get the business community to feel they were also part of that community? And we felt 10 years ago, if we could achieve that, that would be the holy grail. So again, fast forwarding on, we've now got over 3,000 clients in the UK. We're the largest provider of outsourced administration and PA to the marketplace. And we will grow 90% this year. We will grow between 60 and 70% next year. We've been testing our platform in America for the last five years, and we've got a huge amount of investment going into doing a full-scale launch into America by the end of uh, this quarter which we're hugely excited about. And for many, many different reasons, because whilst our 
backgrounds and roots came from Edinburgh and Scotland, and we focused on growing a really successful and large community here in the UK. It's allowed the business to think about what its legacy is going to be. So within that, we have got support networks. We've been working in South Africa. We've been working with the Malaysian government, building a really strong talent pool there. We're also working with the Ugandan government and the Antiguan government. And these government projects are really there where we are trying to support women back to work by providing training, by providing support, mentorship, free training. We we were lucky enough to have the Ugandan government over uh, two weeks ago to discuss what's a hugely ambitious plan for us, but it's to discuss opening the first ever of its kind and probably one of the first in in commerce, which is a not-for-profit BPO centre in Kampala. And this is a really ambitious programme and and, and, and it it will be full of challenges. But the great thing is we've got the backing of the Ugandan government, we've got the backing of the Scottish government, and we also have the backing of the UK government. And what we're going to be doing is we're training 20,000 women in Uganda. MasterCard Foundation are involved in the project. We've then created technology and software to really manage and help manage large volumes of people in Uganda where we can train them and support them and mentor them and keep them focused on a goal. The plan is to then invite the corporate enterprise market into this space where they can then hire the resources of this unbelievable talent pool that's created and has been created and will be developed in Uganda. So we've started the program already in a very small way. We've got a really solid business in Kampala. We've got uh, Pam, who's our manager out there. So we've already started the program. But we're hoping within the next four weeks to really roll this out. And what we're going to be doing is inviting large corporates in where they will actually, with our assistance, build their outsourced BPO centers, pay the people on a direct basis through our technology platform. So they get the, the people that are doing the work get paid on a direct basis. So will they, the people that are doing the work, will they be franchisees in the same sort of sense as the ones that... Not necessarily. No, they will be trained on all aspects of BPO. So we'll have to train the same training programs. They'll have the same leadership. They'll have same access to technology. The difference is that they will be working in a more corporate business uh, basis. Where okay. corporate and hire their services on a direct basis. There's huge unemployment in Africa. There's huge unemployment in Uganda. The great, talented people of Uganda are coming out of the likes of McKelly University and going straight on to unemployment. One of the things that the Uganda government wants us to help with that is training and access to jobs. So it's a hugely ambitious program. We need British government to really get behind it. We need British institutions to get behind it. And I think they will, simply because we're providing the training. The the people of Uganda have got the skills. We're not taking anything for it. We are saying 
to large institutions, and I can't name names at the minute, but large institutions that are already using BPO facilitators, we're saying whilst you're using BPO facilitators that are taking advantage of low-cost geographies, here's a different way of looking at it. The Ugandan government want their people to earn between $100 and $250 a month. And whilst we're expert in BPO, we can see that there's much more opportunity for far greater pay and opportunity for the people of Uganda. So we've pointed our program at $500 a month, which equates to around $5 per hour, which I still feel is far, far too low. There's other complications about levelling up uh, in an economy, but something needs to be done in Africa. Something needs to change. We need a sea change. And funding and charitable donations I've seen through the food technology business just doesn't work. I've seen multi-million pound harvesting machines lying in farms, rusting after being implemented over a year because the training just wasn't there. Yeah. Agriculture is the, the stealth industry in Africa, but it doesn't produce enough jobs and it doesn't produce enough profitability into the system. This idea is taking the fast-growing BPO industry, which is a multi-trillion dollar industry, and disrupting it. Basically saying to the institutions, instead of using suppliers that are hugely profitable, that are potentially exposing uh, income, low-cost incomes in India, in the Philippines, we're saying let's make a definitive difference. Let's create sustainable employment for the people of Uganda. Let's pay them on a fair trade basis. And do you know what? The institutions they agree to this new disruptive formula, they will still be buying their BPO in a more cost-effective way. But their CSR that we all now focus on and we all now buy from companies with a measurable CSR, we uh -huh. believe that this is going to make a quantum difference to Africa. The Ugandan government also believe that as well. So it's something that, you know, talking about legacy, talking about what we're doing to empower women, I would say that the ambitious program we've got in Uganda that we would then roll out throughout Africa will be the biggest legacy. Our footprint comes from the smart PA model, the footprint comes from growing a community that was founded on franchise with a difference. Yeah. But the success we've had uh, in the UK, and don't forget, Brenda, Smart PA is the only not-for-profit franchise we can see in the world. So it's something that we've we're founded on the principles of looking after and supporting people looking after our community and supporting our community. And that then has taken us forward on how we manage our customers in the UK, how customers always come first. So it's, it is our mindset. It's, it's what we were founded on. We're working on a very similar program with the Antiguan government who managed the east of the Caribbean. Uh, it has a population of 750,000. So it's not like Uganda with its population of 45 million. But at the same time, the Antiguan government are really excited on how we can help 
set up our BPO centre there. And again, for our big move into America, having Antigua there to support our American market makes perfectly good sense because in the outsourced market, the largest supplier of outsourced resource is actually, believe it or not, the Dominican Republic, where they employ 35,000 people and generate $2.5 billion for their GDP. So you can understand why countries and governments are very interested in what we're doing. It's a business-to-business service that can be delivered on a remote basis. Are the the customers for Antigua and, and all the others, are they global or are they local? They're global customers. Yeah, I thought are, that. Are foreign to the U.S. market. So Antigua and Uganda will be very much centered around the U.S. growth. But the not-for-profit, that's Smart Pay's core business, the not-for-profit project will be much bigger than Andrew Wright, will be much bigger than Smart PA. We're hoping we can revolutionize other industries to take the same approach. And, and what is that same approach? Well, the same approach is sustainable employment, paying fair trade salaries. And I think that that's the legacy we want to leave, whether we can revolutionize fintech, healthcare, certainly what we will revolutionize is BPO and how BPO is seen on a worldwide scale. But I think that certainly from my perspective, smart PA will give me as much success as I need in my life. And we've proven that we can do that on a not-for-profit basis through our franchising channels. Our franchises focus on the SME market, smart PA's corporate world allows us to drive profit and revenue. So you don't, as an organization, in our view, need to squeeze profit out of everything you do. There needs to be give back. There needs to be corporate and social responsibility. And that's where we were funded, founded, and created. So that's something that we feel really, really passionate about. It gives us, if you like, the footprint to do the ambitious program that we're going to be running in Uganda and also in Antigua. So that's that's what drives me. That's what gets me up in the morning. And I think that in terms of female empowerment, female empowerment is at the forefront of what we do. That That is the, the thing that motivates us. And I think that certainly Smart PA, if you look at the Smart PA business model, if you look at who we are and how we do things, we've got a board of directors, a six strong board of directors, four of which are female. We have a 18 strong uh, leadership team of which 15 of these leaders are females. And yeah, and we're thriving and we're thriving because of that. And your uh, franchise partners and the franchisees, I guess the percentage of women in those businesses. Yes, have- 90% of our franchisees are female-owned businesses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're all inclusive at Smart PA. Our brand has drawn female aspiration. For that, there's no doubt. But yeah, we, we have got 90%. It looked like we were getting more males joining the organization, but it's flatlined. We've got brilliant male partners who are very entrepreneurial in their thinking. But remember, the partnership worldwide isn't just about supporting entrepreneurs it's about supporting women that have got needs women that have got juggling with two and three school children that 
maybe their husbands have left them and they need to juggle the school children, the school runs, and they earn money at the same time. So measuring success can't just be the high-performing entrepreneurial thinkers that are making, you know, £150,000 per annum. We have women within our organisation that are running part-time businesses. They're only maybe working, it can only work 20 hours, 30 hours a month, but they're still earning over £3,000 a month because of the model, because of the support network and how we do things. Measuring success can be is so many different things to Smart PA. The plight and the support that we see on a daily basis. And I think it's important that we challenge industry. I think it's really important that we challenge industry and in, to make sure that change is happening, that we are making a difference. And I what, think, what change do you feel that needs to happen? I think there needs to be a levelling up. I still think we're way off the pace in terms of boards of directors, um, how companies are structured. We're not still not seeing enough women leaders in organisations. And I do think that it goes all the way back to issues we've had as a country from the early 1900s. We, we still, we hear a lot of positive stories and that's fantastic, but the numbers don't lie. And I think that, um, you know, we, we need more female CEOs, we need more female managing directors, we need more female business owners. Uh, and I think just from the very root basics of when women need to exit their business, their employment to have children, they are still not being treated fairly when re-entering the workplace. I couldn't agree more with you, Andy. I had this very conversation with someone in a networking meeting just yesterday that there's a lot of the cultural norms to unconscious bias, maybe even, you know, what was expected of, of me as a, as a young woman and a young mum and where that's going. I've got two um, teenage daughters and a teenage son. I'm hoping that by the time they're my age, they're seeing things in a different light to, to what I'm seeing at the moment. I agree that there's a lot of just what cult, cultural change that needs to come, isn't there? Yes, definitely. I totally agree. There is an unconscious bias, which is, which is a real shame. There's an institutional issue there as well. And I think that you can go back to Margaret Thatcher's reign where she surrounded herself with, with men. And I think that what we need today is that we need our female leaders to be brave and we need our female leaders to bring our young, fledging female leaders through. And so there is a, a sea change needed and it's in education, it's it's, it's having brave leaders that are ready to, to really take that next leap of faith. It's very hard and, and when you look at industry and, and you're a leader of industry, you might be a CEO and because it, it, it lends itself to self-success and, and, and where that's then going to lead you in terms of being supported to grow as, a, as an individual. And I think, with, and, and, and so there you need bravery. You need to make brave decisions. And, 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 and again, CSR is going to play a big role in this. Um, in the programs that we're going to be running in Uganda and Africa, I'm very fortunate to be working with some fantastic young government ministers in Uganda and Antigua, Malaysia, 
And I think we can all make differences. And I think that it needs to be driven bottom up, bottom up top down. Uh, it needs to be driven in institutions and organisations and within enterprise and corporate, but it also needs government backing as well. And I think that certainly we are fighting causes. You know, I can't name live on a podcast the name of some of our higher level clients, but suffice to say there was a very popular airline a couple of years ago uh, that had got some really bad press for what looked like paying their male pilots more than their female pilots. So we went on record, we wrote to them, we went on social, and they were a client of ours. We felt we did it really professionally, but we did it really fairly. We got a letter from the CEO within something like 12 hours. And actually, they were fantastic. They came out with almost open policy, and the BBC had actually got the story wrong in the sense that they were comparing, they weren't comparing apples for apples, they were comparing admin jobs with with uh, pilots. And of course, you're always going to get these, um, you're not going to level up on, 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 yeah. on, but they were really positive and wanted to speak really positively about it. And they're still clients of ours, so we didn't lose them as a client. So I think we need to be honest. I think we need to challenge what is the norm and we need to be brave. And I think that, you know, I'd ask, all our clients that ask all our associated partners exactly the same, be brave, challenge the norm. Uh, because until you do that, if, I've, if, if we identify talent, we don't even ask whether, you know, the said talents just come off, you know, a, a period of break to have a child. We, we, we think it's a non-issue. The fact that, We've employed some of the best and most talented people that have had to work flexibly and remotely from home because they're juggling. The, the said person has to juggle school runs and children. and it, it really shouldn't matter. It really, really shouldn't matter. So why institutions and industry are still being male selective? And for what reason? You've really got to ask why. A lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. And we're, we're still learning, Brenda. I mean, Smart Pay is still learning. And we'll continue to learn because I don't think there's a quick fix to the problem. No, no, it's it's it has been up until now and will continue to be a hard slog. But it's the, the there is a shift that's moving. You know, we can we can see the movement. So it's all all good. We just need to keep pushing. And, you know, that that's why I've invited you on the podcast today, because I've been I've spent uh, over a year interviewing females that are running their own businesses but I'm aware that we can't we can't make this change on our own. It's going to have to be, you know, it has to be deeper rooted and we need male champions for this cause as well. So it's really refreshing to talk to you and, and hear your, your passion for making a difference. What have you learned over the years then through all of your entrepreneurial enterprises? I didn't know all that history before I got invited you on to talk about Smart PA. Most of my audience are female, women who are thinking of or have already started their own business. What have you seen that are the, the big challenges that they need to overcome? How would you support them in overcoming those? Oh, goodness me, what a question. That's, uh, I, I don't know if there's any single answer to such a big question. I think that I, I guess we need to put entrepreneurism, business leadership on the table and, and what actually matters in business. And should it be a conscious thing that that becomes 
a male or, or, or female issue. I think business as a whole needs to be led and driven by CSR. And I think that how we purchase and how we buy and how we trade now, I don't think organizations and I don't think customers are going to buy from companies that don't have a measurable CSR. I think the world is changing and I think that leaders have to adopt and adapt. I think women in the biz, in the marketplace, the more women we have, the stronger we will be. Yeah. Uh, I think that women are brave and I think women need to continue to be brave. I think when the market is more susceptible to having equal parity amongst male and female, then that, that will be the defining moment. So, I, you know, I don't think it's any one thing. I think that women in business need to be brave. I think that there's old myths around how women need to behave and how they need to do things. You know, if you go back 70s and 80s, women to get there needed to be tougher, harder, stand on heads. That's, I think, going. I think the whole way that we manage businesses now, that aggressive tone, it's gone. And I think that, it, and if it's not, it should be. Women are like men, they're equals, they've got equal talent, they have got great value to add. I think we need to be encouraging more women in as leaders. And I think what you're doing is a phenomenal thing in bringing the conversation to life. Women need to that there's an equal opportunity. So the more women we have striving to be leaders in business, the better. And, and, and I'm stating the obvious there. But yeah, I think that women mentoring and women pulling through women is really key. If I was kind of giving a very negative example of Margaret Thatcher and the years that she led the government surrounding herself with men, if you look at con. So Rice, for example, in America, she was one of these brave leaders that surrounded herself with, with women. And I think it's that that needs to drive things forward. And I would probably say Sarah, co-founding Smart PA, has driven women and empowered women and brought women into the organization as board members and as leaders with, with my support. But I was always there. I see myself as a bit of a feminist. I was always there, a very strong mother I had, with a very strong grandmother, two very strong, empowered daughters. So I was, I would say that I'm maybe not a good test case, really. And, it, and it's the Sarahs of this world that really need to mentor and really need to drive that home. So, um, yeah, if we can get more males behaving in a line with a, with a proper CSR, position, but, but the, the women that are in the positions of leadership that are striving in the corporate world, it's these very women that I think I would be asking to be as brave as they can be and bring through these fellow female leaders. That would be my message, I think. Yeah, I've, I've just wrote myself a wee note while you were, while you were saying that there. We need to show up. Is yes. that it? Yeah? Yeah. Yes. Show yeah. up, be visible, help others to be visible, um, yeah. because then, then we'll see business as a, a potential route. The trading years of the 1600s, 1700s, you know, we can go back in history, but 
it's been a male-dominated world and it's been a male-dominated industry has been dominated by males forever. So, you know, it, that in itself is, has been, is the battleground, if you like. So, so change needed to take place. And if you're thinking about it, it's only really been taking place for a nanosecond. We're seeing women's football now. We're trying to level up there. Women's sports in general, we're trying to level up and we're nowhere near it. You only need to look at the prizes for male golfers versus the, yeah. the year of women's golf. And they can, I know some fantastic women golfers, they can't even finishing fifth in a tournament and they're still losing money. There's so much levelling up across so many things. It's good. There is progress being made, but in the greater scheme of things, it's a very modern movement. It's, and it's only really starting, I believe, to take shape today. So lots to do. We need to show up, that's for sure. We all need to show up. Men like you that, that have got this, you know, a feminists in business, helping other women, helping women to move forward. I guess you need to show up as well because oh. of, often we, as women, maybe feel that it's only us that are, that are battling against it. So I really appreciate you coming on, coming no, no, on the podcast and, and sharing your passion, Andy. Thank you. No, it's been a privilege to be on and I need to show up more often and I think we need to fellow like-minded male business leaders need to show up more often as well. So, no, thank, thanks for the opportunity. So, um, I usually ask one last question, Andy, before we finish off. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Oh, goodness me. No, I think, I think you've asked a great question. I've really enjoyed our discussion. Not at all. Not at no. all. Uh, That's great. I think you've given fantastic answers. I've really enjoyed listening to you. So, yeah, thank you very much for being on Heal Her Up. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Great. I look forward to the next time. Thanks for listening to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur's show. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please join our Facebook community at Scale Her Up. Please connect with me, Brenda Hector, on social media and drop me a message to let me know you're enjoying the podcast. Or even better, pop a wee review on iTunes. I'm going to finish by reminding you, only one in three UK entrepreneurs are female and men are five times more likely to scale their business to over one million in turnover than women. If we started and scaled our businesses to the same extent as men, it would add 250 billion to the UK economy and provide millions of jobs. Ladies, you can do it, and we're gonna make a massive difference.